Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Every time Brandon Scorlo, uh, Brandon Scorlo. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that may be the best Freudian slip of all time. Uh, yeah, uh, anytime he scores a point, uh, you're going to be Brandon Rockets a shard card. <laughs> Welcome to episode 81 of season two of Bruins and Bruins, a the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Die Hard, sponsored by DraftKings, a drinkable podcast you can taste, a hard listen, according to Drew's dad. I am Chris Gear. I'm back from vacation. I'm in San Diego. I'm here with my co-host, Drew, and we have two guests today. We have Cam Hasbrook. <laughs> on the Bruins and Bruins podcast. <laughs> And we have my close personal friend, uh, Logan Mullen, who I've met one time at a wedding. We go way back. <laughs> How you doing, Logan? I am just lovely. All right. Drinks. Cam, uh, fire it off. All right. Uh, well, Drew and I are going to have a little bit of overlap here, but we just stopped at the uh, very fine establishment. Uh, it was the gas station across the street from Drew's apartment. And we picked up some... Truly seltzer teas. I'm not sure if it's tea or seltzer. It's listed as seltzer according to the, the can, but it also clearly says tea on it. So I don't know where you draw the line between tea and seltzer. But um, if things go according to plan here, we're going to rip through most of this pack during this episode. So it should be a good one. <laughs> so we're going to start out with the strawberry tea, uh, which I did crack open a second ago. More um, than a second. Yeah, I'm already like halfway through it. Maybe I'll just finish it during the review. Here we go. Drinkability. You know, for something like iced tea, um, anything sweet like this, I feel like it's going to have, like, high drinkability at first because you can just, you know, you can just slug them. But you got to crush as many as you can before the sugar headache catches up to you. So I'm going to start with, like, a 33 on drinkability, but I think that's going to go down by the time we're halfway through this pack. Uh, Taste, you can certainly taste it. Uh, You cannot taste the alcohol, which increases the drinkability for sure. I'm going to put the drinkability somewhere around – 35 you can slug these things so we'll we'll see if that stands up to the test of time here but um yeah i think a 35 sounds about right drew what do you think are you gonna you know dispute me at all here which one you got oh i got the peach um and the drinkability is significantly lower i'm gonna go with like a 25 i thought i like the uh the peach uh 
iced teas. I forget the brand. The uh, fuck it, you know, just peach iced tea. Those like little the mixes that they got. Um, but this, no, this isn't. Uh, this is, I don't like this so much. <laughs> what are these rankings out of? Uh, it's out of thirty-seven for uh, the one and only. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, yeah, so I'll go it's... whatever I said. I think twenty-three drinkability is what I said. Either way, I'll go with twenty-three. Uh, tasteability, yeah, you can taste it. I'll go full thirty-seven on that. I feel like as a, a friend of the pod, Logan deserves to know what this rating scale is. Most yeah. people, most times we keep people in the dark, but I feel like we can we can fill you in here. It's uh, it's one to thirty-seven based on drinkability and tasteability. So, not necessarily does it taste good or not, just can you taste it. Yeah, and not necessarily any other thing other than can you drink it. Um, I don't, I don't know if I've ever rated anything a, a one or a zero in drinkability, but I know Drew has. <laughs> I don't know what, probably the pumpkin. Probably the, the white. It was, pumpkin it was the white pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> like the all time low. Literally the worst fun. thing I've ever drank, and I've drank <laughs> some weird shit. I'm pretty sure. So, all right, Logan, you got anything for us today? I have a Molson Ice. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. So <laughs> I, in high. I love Molson. I've actually never had Molson ice before, but my friend got some for me the other day. And he was like, all they had at the liquor store was ice and cards on the table. I'm usually fearful of drinking these because whenever I have Molson's, I'll have like seven in a sitting. And the uh, alcohol volume is much higher on this one than just your run of the mill Molson lager. So I'm, Apparently they taste the same, but I'm afraid to, you know, lead myself astray, if you will. So Molson's rock. Yep, this tastes just like the regular Molson. So drinkability, I can I can definitely drink this. So that would get a full 37 from me, and I absolutely can taste this. So I'll give it like a 36 because I don't want to give straight 37s because honestly, I'm still very confused about the metric in which you guys <laughs> establish this. So we don't like it. We just throw chaos. We've had uh, the same beer on like multiple podcasts in a row rated completely differently. So <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it's not a big deal. All right. So I uh, forgot to load up the beer fridge today because I, I had it unloaded for vacation time um so i made myself a little cocktail and in my uh weird foggy brain i uh, i started making a negroni but realized that i pulled out some some rye so i kind of made a combo uh between a negroni and a manhattan um kind of using the campari as bitters um, which it is a bitter, but it is like kind of an unusual one to use for a Manhattan. But uh, let's give it a try. Yeah, that's absolutely delicious. Um, it's uh, I served it on ice more like a Negroni than uh, a Manhattan. So it's uh, the drinkability way, way higher than it would be if I just served it shaken. Um, go with... Uh, 21 on drinkability because you know there's there's a lot of alcohol in this tasteability going to be a little bit lower than it would be if i had served it uh up um but it's you can still taste it um you can taste every uh every ingredient in this so we'll we'll give it a 17 
Nice, nice. All right. I'm, uh, I've been rocking the whiskey sours lately. Oh, yeah. I've some materials for those, which definitely, definitely high drinkability and taste on there. But same thing, like you get into a couple of those and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, that can it's be stuff. trouble. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, we, our, our agenda is pretty wide open, but uh, I did want to briefly mention the strange circumstances by which we arrived. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I was at my dear friend uh, Nate and Ivy's wedding. Uh, part of the reason why I was on vacation back in Massachusetts, uh, they had a Labor Day weekend wedding. And I I had been hanging out with uh, with them back in May when they were moving from Massachusetts to Vermont and I was kind of helping them pack up a little bit. Um, and Nate mentioned to me, Hey, do you know, uh, do you know who Logan Mullen is? And I was like, yeah, I like, I, I think we follow each other on Twitter. Like, I don't know him personally, but I he was like, yeah, it's a, I, I work with his wife. Like she's, she's sing. like I, I do, I've did some, done some production for her and, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like weird small world. And I, I texted uh, Lauren Campbell, our, our friend who works with Logan. I said, yeah. this is pretty strange, huh? Um, and then lo and behold, m- uh, months later, uh, I'm at my friend's wedding and this man walks up to me and um, I was a little caught off guard because people had already been walking up to me because i was holding a clue to a scavenger That's hunt right. that was going around yeah and so anybody walking up to me i just assumed that they were looking for a <laughs> clue and so logan walks up and he goes chris i'm like yeah here's the here's the clue <laughs> <laughs> i was like all right this guy's big league in me <laughs> oh. and then he's like no i'm logan i was like oh Logan. All right. And then we, uh, we had a nice conversation. We actually ended up, uh, sitting at the, at the bride and groom's table for the, uh, for the dinner and, uh, subtle flex. Yeah. Had a, had yeah. a good, yeah. Well, we're, we're all very good friends of the, no better friends at this wedding than, than our crews. Uh, well, I yeah. found out about your interaction with Nate at my wedding. So we were, cause Nate and Ivy were sitting with, my wife Megan and I at like our table, our thing was pretty casual. So people are just coming and going. And Nate was like, Hey, do you know Chris gear? <laughs> I was like, and I gave him probably the exact same answer <laughs> that you did. It's like, I don't know him person personally, but I think we uh, follow each other on Twitter. And he's like, yeah, like we go way back. And I was like, all right. <laughs> but You're like on Twitter. Or on- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so great. We've been following each other since 09. <laughs> yeah. So he's actually a, another podcast co-host of mine on, on my other podcast and uh, Cam and Drew will shortly be appearing on that one on our hockey movie episode. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, you'll get like to been talking about that for like a year now. Well, so the difference is I actually brought it up with my co-hosts and we're going to make that happen in, in the coming month or so. It sounds like a, like a similar vibe to Bruce and Bruins. If you haven't had an idea a year ago and you just brought it to your <laughs> Uh, all right. So yeah, Logan works for, for Nesson as we uh, may, maybe mentioned, but, um, so he is the, uh, the final word on all opinions, uh, on this podcast today. Um, and we, we did talk a bunch of hockey at the wedding and I, 
you had one particular take that I really wanted to dive into. Yeah, you're like, you're going to, you and I will be aligned on this, <laughs> and then you're just going to have to, like, fight off Cam and Drew. So, I've been mentioning uh, on on previous podcasts, the, when we're talking, like, Jack Eichel trades or, uh, or other things, like, uh, outlook for this season, that maybe Brandon Carlo's a guy who's a little bit overrated. And uh, maybe I don't have such a hardline take as Logan does, but if you want to run with this, go ahead. Well, my take has generally been, well, I think the line that you're probably referring to is that Brandon Carlo is basically a name brand version of Kevin Miller, where like, <laughs> where he's fine. But the thing that I'm always... I felt physical pain. There. I felt physical pain in my heart. Oh. Well, first of all, there's not a single like, the eye test never checked out for me with Brandon Carlo. And then I was very relieved to see that he is perhaps the opposite of whatever an analytics darling is. Um, and so the when he was younger, I used to rip on him all the time. And my thing was like, he obviously provides basically zero offense. And he's supposed to be this like very stout stay-at-home defenseman. But... I've never seen anybody make more like mental mistakes than Brandon Carlo, like just looking completely lost in front of the net. And so my thing is like, well, if he's not going to give you a lot of offense, then he better be really good on defense. And like, or even if you're like a knuckle dragger and you're all about the physical stuff, like he's really not that physical, physical of a player for a guy, his size. And so I've come around on him and I told Chris this, like the one sort of watershed moment that sort of brought my take on Brandon Carlo a bit back more to like the neutral or indifferent end of the spectrum was, I should have looked up the game, but I think it was game five of the series against the Blue Jackets in 19 when he leveled Panarin in open ice. And literally if he like, like he did a body check in the defensive zone and if he missed him, like Panarin would have been, wide open on net and probably sent the game to overtime. And I was like, wow, that's like Brandon Carlo making a very intelligent play. But I honestly don't have much of an issue with the term on his contract, but I don't think he is as special as perhaps many Bruins fans would like to make him out to be. I think that's a reasonable take. I mean, I, I think you're underselling him a little bit personally. I mean, I, I will let my bias show here. I was like a, lifelong defenseman from like in peewees when they were like, Hey, you play center and we don't have any defensemen. So you're going to play defense now. Okay. And I was not exactly a, as a puck mover, but I was, I was never a, an offensively minded player. I was always kind of stay at home. So I, I definitely tend to like appreciate those players maybe a little bit more than I should. The Kevin Miller comparison. definitely. <laughs> I think that yeah. one was a little bit of a smack too. I, I think, I think you're getting way more um, defensive responsibility and just, I mean, I, you really feel like if if you had Brandon Carlo and and Kevin Miller and you know on the same team, which obviously you had for for quite a while, are you going to look me in the eye and tell me that you <laughs> virtually, by the way, you're going to look me in the eye virtually and tell me that you're substituting one for one and you don't see any difference there? No, so I you're getting value wise. So I think Kevin Miller is a slightly worse version of Brandon Carlo, but I think Brandon Carlo 
<laughs> this is going to sound so bad. His ceiling <laughs> is his ceiling is a low end second pairing defenseman. Like if you line up every regular second pairing defenseman in the NHL, so it's going to be what sixty four guys. For me, Brandon Carlo is somewhere in like the high forties, low fifties, probably. And that's like that's the epitome of a straw man argument. But like I think <laughs> I think Brandon Carlo would be like. A, a better served as a plus third pairing defenseman. And so you can say that's either a Bruins issue more so than a Brandon Carlo issue. But I think that his, like he was completely sheltered by Zdeno Chara, his rookie year, which I think ultimately did not do him any service because people got a false, in my opinion, false sense of belief about what he actually is. I think if you put him on your third pairing and you find somebody to go with him. I don't know who that would be. I, I guess Mike Riley's still right, but that is probably an effective third pairing, but I think he gets exposed a little much when he has to face like top six forwards. Yeah. So if we're looking at the evolving hockey page for Brandon Carlo over the last three seasons, uh, combined his uh, offensive percentile rank is 12 and he's in the 12th percentile that tracks uh, defensively, he's in the 77th. And I feel like if you ask Bruins fans what they think, where they think he falls, he would probably be somewhere in the like 80 to 90 range, um, maybe higher, depending on who you're asking. Um, whereas if you're looking at a guy who often gets compared to him, like Adam Larson. Um, that Adam is Larson's, so unfair. Adam Larson's somewhere in the like upper 90s percentile on defense. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to even be disrespectful to Brandon Carlo because I think he's a fine enough player. I think his role, I think people have assumed that he's just this very high-end second-pairing guy because he came in basically playing first pairing as a rookie and getting a ton of ice time. And he was playing with a still very, very good Zdeno Chara. And so... I think ultimately he's obviously an NHL player. I think he is a low end second pairing, high end third pairing guy. I'm willing to compromise. I, I think for me, I would put him more to like a. I agree, he's not a. I don't think he's a first pairing defenseman. I think especially with where personally I would like to see the Bruins go, which is faster, more offensive driven counterattack. That's not where he fits in necessarily. I would be interested to see, and, and I'm willing to, to view him with a more critical eye this year. I actually, we have talked about this a lot this season, so I do want to kind of zero in on his play specifically versus how the team plays with him, which I think is more of how I've kind of viewed him in the past, is, which is a good point when he was playing with a very good Chara or, or somebody like Mike Riley who can drive that offense and maybe yeah. mask some of his, his inabilities in that sense, but... I do think you are underselling maybe a little bit on on the defensive guy. Yeah, I, I feel like he is pretty reliable. I think he's nothing to write home about when it comes to you know. I, I wouldn't build a team around him, and I, I we talked about this maybe two weeks ago. Where if there is a piece that is probably overvalued, I would I would agree with that, and that the Bruins could move. I, I wouldn't hate them moving him, um, but I think he's one of those players where like you kind of know what you're getting, and I think that's. Sounds like a bad thing, but I don't think it's the worst. I mean, I think he could be an effective penalty killer. I think as a maybe mid-tier second liner, 
again, it, it depends on the kind of the, the direction you want to see the defense go, which, which again, I, I'm all for. Like, I, I do like Brandon Carlo a lot. I, I like what he can bring to the table. But that being said, I don't think that stay-at-home classic defenseman role that doesn't provide much offense is going to have a place in the NHL in the next decade or so, or, or beyond yeah. maybe a third stopgap you know, line guy where you can, hey, he's not our go-to guy, but if we need somebody because of injury or something that we need to plug in there and, and we're not too worried about it, I think – that's the kind of play style he has, but I, yeah. I do think he has a fair amount of defensive value, but I, I am willing to, to kind of bring out the critical lens this season and, and dive into that a little bit more. Cause I haven't, you know, sat there many times and been like, I'm going to watch Brandon Carlo tonight. And like really see, which I guess kind of speaks to his game, right? That's kind of the point you're making. Like, you know, what sounds like a fun exercise <laughs> watching Brandon Carlo. Well, I, so I would say do this. So, cause this is the thing that kills me is he, he, he to me is just not very good in front of the net and watch every Bruins defenseman for like a shift or two and watch how long when they're defending the net, they're looking at the puck. And I promise you, Brandon Carlo will be looking at the puck twice as long as everybody else, which is why I feel like he always gets burned on the doorstep. Maybe he's just a huge yeah. hockey fan. He just loves hockey. He just loves great yeah. hockey. Yeah. Ooh, Dude, I have the best team in the house. I'm going to pay millions of dollars for it. What do you if want you're playing with Patrice Bergeron in the, def- in the defensive zone and the puck is out there and Patrice is going after the puck, who- what are you watching? You're watching Patrice. Yeah. I'm definitely not watching the guy right next to the goalie who's just waiting for a pass to get feathered. <laughs> I, I personally am fine with uh, – with Carlo on that second pair, I think I, 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 in the past I've said on a bad team, he'd be a first pair guy. I'm willing to humble myself a little bit and say <laughs> on the Kraken, he'd be a first pair guy. Um, no, cause Adam Larson the, would be the first pair. Cause Adam Larson is better than him. the better version of Brandon Carlo. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm totally fine with him on the second pair. I think he's, He's definitely been kind of the balancing act for a lot of those offensive defensemen. Like, you look at him and Krug. Krug, pretty weak defensively, but he has all that – like, he's your power play quarterback and everything. Yeah. Uh, and Brandon Carlo kind of, uh, you know, supports him in that role and kind of masks his weaknesses, and Krug also masks Carlo's weaknesses on the offensive side. I would like to see what happens when it's more of a – two-way kind of guy. I know we saw some of him in Mike Riley, but I'd like to see something like that for a full season where it is a balanced a balanced pair. Um, but personally, I, I mean, I think I think he could be overvalued throughout the league as, oh, this is a young defenseman. He is known for his defensive play, and we want to go get this guy. I think, yeah, he might be a little overvalued in that sense, but I still think he has a, a a role to play on this Bruins team right now. And yes, I would part with him if you're trading for the right piece. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not just going to toss him up on the block. I think yeah. he's a bargaining chip rather than a, hey, he's for sale kind of guy, because I do think he still has some value to this team this year. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and Cam, to, I meant to say to your point, too, about like that type of player that's like all defense and no offense being gone in the next 10 years. I do wonder if Carlo kind of knows that to a degree in the sense that he knows that his game has to evolve. Cause when he was healthy this year, it was at times startling how frequently he was shooting. Like he used to, and maybe that was just the, the product of playing with Krug all the time. But I remember watching the first like 
month of the season whenever Carlo is playing. And all of a sudden he's taking clappers from the point, like every t- trip down the ice. And it's like, I have not <laughs> ever gotten used to seeing this from him. Well, so I think that makes him a way more valuable player. Like yeah. he doesn't have to score. And if he's with uh, a Mike Riley type, like he doesn't even have to really facilitate all that much, but mm-hmm. at least do something instead of getting the puck at the blue line and then just shuffling it across to your partner. Or, yeah. Or so so corner, to that, yeah. to that point, I, I've generally been throwing out most of the things that, uh, like short season last year, um, a lot of people not not playing the same way that they normally would just because it's such a weird schedule and everything. But, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But uh, uh, Evolving Hockey last year had uh, Brandon Carlo at 54th percentile defensively, but 49th percentile offensively. So there there is maybe a shift in his game or just small sample size bullshit. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, like it, it does – come down to sample size inevitably at some point. But I do remember kind of midway through the season talking about that. Like, he, he does seem like he's trying to put the put the gas down a little bit offensively. Yeah. Whether that's actually something he's capable of long-term remains to be seen. And I guess through that lens, this is a, a pretty important season for him as far as, you know, can he actually sustain that? And and obviously you'd like to see those gains without the drop-off necessarily in, in defensive stats and metrics and that sort of thing. But sure. Um, if he can add at least some tangible value offensively, I think that would change the conversation a little bit. Cause I, I you know, obviously his, his game is his defense, right? But if he can yeah. add something production wise, that makes him a lot more valuable, especially in today's NHL. But like Chris said, small sample size last year, we'll see what he can do over the course of a full 82 game season. I would rooting for him. I would like to see if Carlo has kind of like the resurgence that uh, – not the same resurgence that Kevin Miller had because then Kevin Miller broke his leg like 17 yeah. times. <laughs> but, um, but where Kevin Miller suddenly like was skating better even with a broken leg, like he just really upped his speed there and he upped some of his offensive play. I would like to see if Carlo can do that because he's still pretty young. Uh, I mean, he's entering that kind of prime age right now, but he's still fairly young. I think there's definitely some room for growth. So I'd like to see if he can work on that offensive side of the game, or even if that's just uh, puck carrying and finding opportunities that way. Like you said, Logan, not just you know dumping it over to his to his defensive partner around the boards or whatever. Um, I, I think there is room for growth there, obviously, and I think he has the potential to grow there. Um, and I think if you see even just a little bit of growth there on the offensive side, I think he becomes extremely valuable to the Bruins. All right. More Carlo talk after the break. <laughs> the Bruins and Bruins podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. Week one may be over, but the season is just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 or more on any football game. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any week two game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes all up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Make sure you hammer Matt Stafford on the Futures MVP line because absolutely ripping it with my Los Angeles Rams. Is that in the reading? Yeah. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN 
This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Here we go. <clears throat> Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 which required. One per customer. Restrictions apply to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, one 800 9 with it. Yeah, boys. Wow. How are you? All right. Welcome back to the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Chris Paul Gear here with Cam Reddish Hasbrook hey. and Drew Holiday Johnson, as hey. well as Logan Chris Mullen. Um, hey. Just thought about that off the top of my head while you were reading that ad. Uh, we're sitting here with the uh, we have the Basketball Podcast Network uh, background on our yeah. on our thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, go check out their podcasts. I'm sure they have some. Um, Strawberry. Here you go. Do we? Drew and Cameron are in the same place right now, and they're doing everything they can to make it weird. Um, Do we want to talk about uh, all the Patrice Bergeron freakout? Yeah. Well, no, actually, no. But I think we don't. But I think we we should. Yeah, Yeah, I'm down. I'm down to get super depressed right now, boys. Let's go. Yeah. So uh, Patrice Bergeron basically came out and said, uh, "Not thinking about contract extensions." this year he's just gonna focus on playing out the last year of his contract and obviously everybody in Bruins Nation decided to assume that he's either retiring or moving on after the season and regardless of whether you believe that or not uh it does bring to the front of mind the fact that this is a 36 year old man who is now that David Krejci is gone the last <laughs> usable center on your oh. team that has uh, been good, at least in the last uh, year or so. <laughs> uh, Charlie Coyle, I guess, was good a couple of years ago, but uh, injured last season. So uh, if Patrice Bergeron is gone and you don't do anything to pick up a very good center uh, in the next year or next offseason, uh, Charlie Coyle is your number one center going into wait, wait, next Chris, season. I don't know if you've been reading the tweets, but they said Jack Studnick is ripped now, so he's obviously a number one center. Yeah, Jack Stud. Uh, <laughs> Jack the Jack Stud. <laughs> Jack the Stud Nika. I, I will like forward it by saying this. Like, I don't know, I hope this doesn't come around to like smack me in the face in Zeno Chara style, but like I, I don't see a situation where Bergeron plays anywhere except for Boston. I think he's either going to re-sign with the Bruins at the end of the season, or he's going to retire. Come at me if you think I'm wrong, but I, I I just cannot see. Like, I don't – Chris talks about a lot. The hockey players hate moving their shit, that kind of thing. I I really would be shocked. Like, the, the Char one was a little surprising. I, I'm not – like, I don't think it was terribly surprising. To see Bergeron in any other sweater would be like – I might have to swear off hockey forever. Like, that would hurt. And and not just from a, stand, a fan standpoint, but I really do not see that in the cards. I think it's – I was talking about this with like a family friend the other day, but I think it's it's more along the lines of like Bergeron is not the type of person who wants to have a goodbye tour and everybody's giving him gifts and that shit, you know, David Ortiz style. Or I think he's gonna be the guy that the season ends and he which he sucks because I really I really loved seeing Don Orsillo hand David yeah. Ortiz a signed surfboard. <laughs> yeah, no, and I would love to, to hand him the Bruce and Bruins thirty seven drinkability tasteability plaque but um i just i i just don't think he's the type of person that wants the extra theatrics and stuff like that it's i think he just wants to hang him up at the you know the season's gonna end and he's gonna feel his time and he's gonna retire and that'll be that and he'll like have you know he'll live happily ever after right or something off, like that but like right off into the sunset <laughs> exactly skate off into the sunset <laughs> um 
I would uh, maybe somebody's got some other thoughts, but I just I really do not think that he's going to play anywhere besides uh, Boston. I I agree, just because. In Char's situation, it wasn't necessarily on his terms. He wanted to keep playing. He wasn't as great of an asset to the Bruins as he was when he was younger. Um, and he wanted to keep playing, though. And so he went elsewhere. The Bruins were done the, with the cap situation. They couldn't really reel him in. They didn't really have the space. I think that was the right move for the Bruins. Um, but I think in Bergeron's case, I mean, he's still really good. I don't see him being that kind of player that plays till he's like, 58 or whatever Chara yeah, is now. <laughs> and uh, I think I think he definitely – it's going to be on Bergie's terms when he leaves Boston. And like I said, I don't see Bergeron playing more than probably two or three more years. Um, I think he, he's taken a lot of damage during his career, and I don't see him playing longer than that. So I think it is going to be on Bergie's terms, and in that case, I, I really don't see him playing anywhere else for that reason. I think Chara was kind of a different story. And I guess Chara is still looking for a team. I don't know what the hell he's up to. But, um, yeah, I think I think Birdie finishes out in Boston. Uh, I would hate to see it be after this year unless it was the Bruins win the Cup and he exits with the Cup. I think that would be very appropriate, and I'd be totally okay after that. I think the team is going to be in a fucking world of trouble if that's the case. But if they win a Cup and he goes out on top, I think that's a very appropriate way. Um, but I could also see it like the Bruins get to the cup and lose, and he's like, fuck this, I'm, I'm done. Like, this is this has been a long road to the cup. Like, I've taken a beating. I think that's I think that's it. Um, maybe the Bruins get a first-round exit, and he's like, you know what, redo. Let's go. Run it back. But, um, yeah, I think I think Bergie ends. ends I like that you're Bruins. assuming they make the playoffs. That's, <laughs> I mean, I, think, I, think this is, I guess that's another conversation. But I think this is a playoff caliber yeah, team. Yeah, they're, so. they're still a playoff team. Yeah. I would be – my thing is, like, I didn't realize people were going to get so worked up about that Bergeron comment. Like, I don't think there was anything to read into it that when I saw yeah. people – Logan, you work in Boston sports media. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I should know that. But I thought that was such a benign comment. And then I saw people getting, like, unglued over it which I think might have slightly been the product of framing by yeah. some about how that whole thing unfolded. I would be, you know, of course I said the same thing about Chara a year ago, but I would be stunned if he played anywhere else. I think if like, if I had to guess, I would think retirement is a very real possibility. I mean, he's been playing forever and he's been playing a top six role pretty much his entire career. Like that body has been through a lot and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he would do the year-to-year -year route. I think he really just genuinely knows that. Because the thing is, too, is Don Sweeney said, whatever it was, like a month and a half ago, that the door's open for Bergeron as long as he wants to keep playing in Boston. And I think that is true. I don't think that's just lip service. And I think Bergeron knows that he can play this entire year out knowing that whatever needs to happen in the offseason, it will. I don't know if that was the understanding with Chara before he left, but I would think from Bergeron's standpoint, he knows that at this point it's not going to be a money thing, and if he really does want to keep playing, they'll find a spot for him. I also don't get the sense he would be the type of guy that would play to the point that he's not good anymore. Like I could see him sooner being like, well, I can see my game starting to tail off. It really hasn't shown any signs of that so far. But I could see if he 
for some reason had a downturn this year or in the next few years that he might start thinking about it from that standpoint. Like I could never see him wanting to be a liability just so that he could maybe get a shot at another cop. Yeah. I don't see him like fighting for a spot in the league. Yeah, no, no. He's, once his value is, is diminishing, he's probably going to hang him up. So I, I think he's not like Tom Brady where he he doesn't strike me as like the ultimate competitor who as long as he's got some gas in the tank, no matter where he's playing, he wants to go try and win a championship. No. I think uh, that First he's on the Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah you guys all made really good points i i think the the big differences between chara and and bergeron are bergeron's still an elite player um and two there's kind of the romanticism of playing for one team for your whole career and a career and and chara has has had played for two teams prior to the bruins so that wasn't as much of a consideration um and yeah there's a lot of tread on those tires it's uh 18 seasons plus a lot of playoffs um, and then playing in Olympics, uh, World Cup, a, yeah. a lot of stuff like that. So he's been playing at a, at a high level for a really long time and uh, that that's got to wear on you. So 36 years old, like not only playing until you're 36, uh, playing as one of the best players in the world and giving everything every night. Cause you can't be one of the best players in the world if you don't do that. Um, and that includes staying in shape in the off season. And um, I, I can't imagine how difficult that is. So yeah, I mean, if, if the guy wants to hang him up, I'm never going to fault him for it. But uh, I, I also agree with Logan where I think he was just saying like, don't ask me about my contract. I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on the season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, because those guys really do get beat to death with those questions. Like I, I remember the Krug one being really bad. Like I, and part of Tory Krug's problem was he said before the season, he was like, I plan to resign here. And so every, every week it was like, do you have an extension yet? And of course he wasn't <laughs> saying anything, but that one, I remember, listening to him talk all the time. It's like this poor guy is just getting exactly. beaten down with these questions. Um, so I can see Bergeron taking a pretty hard line stance right in the beginning and just being like, I'm not talking about it this year. Cause I don't think he has to either. Like I, again, to my original point, like they'll find a spot for him. I think they are far more uh, amenable to doing that with Patrice Bergeron than they were Sedano Chara. And so I don't think they really, I don't think either side needs to worry about one just, giving up on the other yeah the other thing i want to mention quick is just from a health standpoint i mean like we we've all gone into the, the legend of bergeron with the, the ribs and the separated shoulder and stuff but you gotta remember it's, it hasn't been an issue the last couple of years knock on wood thank god but this guy's had pretty severe concussion issues in the past too yeah and the older you get the more you slow down that becomes more of a liability and kind of like chris said i don't see him being the type of person that's going to risk that for an extra season or something like that. Like I, he, I think he understands that that's, you know, that's, that's still something he's got to deal with. And he doesn't want to take one more big injury like that, a, a concussion like that to, to deal with the, the rest of his life. If you know, he's had a good career and he's not the person who lives and die. I mean, it's, it's like weird to think that like an athlete who's been that dominant for that long, doesn't necessarily live and die by his spot in the sport, but you just don't catch that feeling with him. And that's not to say he's not dedicated or anything like that, but like, 
that he ha- he understands he has a life outside of hockey, and I don't think he's gonna he's gonna risk his especially head health in, in something like that. No. Yeah, to, to go back to the Tom Brady comparison, like I don't get the sense that uh, Patrice Bergeron is a complete asshole in every part of his life because he's so competitive that he needs to win at everything. Yeah. I think that's what Tom Brady is. I think also Tom Brady sits back in the pocket and relies on a good offensive line. (laughs) Tom Brady, he doesn't like puncture lungs and, and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to diminish the like punishment that Tom Brady's taken over (laughs) his career, but. Now listen. Famously soft NFL This Tom Brady guy, you know, he's not all they make him out to be. Uh, yeah, that was my little Mikey. Uh, Although I'm pretty sure uh, Tom Brady did get his first NFL start because Drew Brees broke a rib and punctured his lung. So <laughs> no, Drew Brees. wasn't it uh, Drew Bledsoe? Oh, so yeah, Bledsoe. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, uh, the Tom Brady, the great New Orleans Saint. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm famously of the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. Um, I have a non-hockey related question for Logan. I don't know if we're more ready for okay. that. Yeah. Um, so you came in, you came in hot, or I guess cold, with the the Molson ice. That's correct. What's your opinion on the Molson Labat? Do you have a Do you have any take on Molson versus Labat, or are you just a lover of all? Canadians? I just like Molson. I Labat never really did anything for me, because um, <laughs> when Didn't even I even talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'm very hydrated whenever I drink Labat. <laughs> um, I was like, all right, time to go for a run. Um, <laughs> But Labatt, it, to me, is just – I, like, gag when I see it in liquor stores. Wow, just, so like, push it, push it out of the way so and just go and get, anti, get the real stuff. Yeah. Do yeah, you have, like, a bad experience with Labatt? <laughs> no, it just, it, like... just, it just does nothing for me. It's like, well, I guess I might as well drink, you know, Bud Light or even Bush or something Ooh, like that. Like, whoa, Labatt just whoa, does whoa, nothing whoa. to me. Wow. I have another question for you then. So – you mentioned pre-pod that you're from you're from Texas. I don't That's know correct. At what point you moved out, or if you were of age, I don't want to expose you for anything. But I, am <laughs> I was of age. If that alters okay, the line so of I, questioning, I, I was eighteen. Do they have? I'm always interested to see how far south the Canadian beers get because I I have like I would occasionally I went to school at the University of Maryland, so I would occasionally okay. find like a Molson or Labatt, but it's way more common in upstate New York where I'm from. Do they have Canadian beer in Texas, or is that like shunned upon? Oh, I'm just, I, I'm just I, dying that Logan said 18 is of age in Texas. Oh, well, so I thought he meant like I was an adult. I I didn't fully understand the line of questioning. So no, I was well, definitely you, out of you age at that point. To be in a store. Did you <laughs> see? <laughs> yeah, no, I actually don't have an answer for that, and I just yeah, I was, I was listening. I I was listening. I wasn't understanding to that question. <laughs> That's fine. Yes, I mean. I don't know what you're doing with the Molsons. I don't know yeah. how much you love them, but I don't want to. My, my dad would always talk about how when he lived in Steubenville, Ohio, growing up, or like it, it, when he was like 18 or 19, the drinking age in Ohio was 21, and it was 18 in West Virginia, and he lived like on the West Virginia border. Yeah. And I was like, what a weird existence where you could just drive a state over, go to yeah. the bar, and then come back to your town in Ohio. You got three years until yeah. you can drink in your hometown. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my girlfriend used to her first job was in Steubenville. I'll text her, so I was not expecting a Steubenville reference. Yeah, yeah. Hands, what do you know? <laughs> I knew like three kids from high school because there are a lot of Catholics in my town that went to uh, 
Franciscan. So big, big Catholic population in uh, Steubenville, Ohio. <laughs> Sounds like a great place. Yeah. <laughs> My oh, father was not one of them, from what I know. But. It sounds pretty stupid. <laughs> Stupendous. Stupendous. I was I was hoping Drew was going there, but didn't, <laughs> I don't think it didn't actually go anywhere. Thank you. That's that's me in a nutshell right there. Drew is one big misdirect. <laughs> that's why we have him. It's the wild card. The wild card, yep. Gotta have one. You do. You can't see me. <laughs> All right, Logan, do you have any other uh Thoughts on the offseason moves that the Bruins have done. We've kind of we talked them to death like early in the offseason when when all the signings came in. And then I think we took a pretty big break from it because yeah. kind of assumed no one wanted to hear us talk about it anymore. But now that we've got a, a guest who knows what he's talking about, maybe uh maybe you want to dive into some of those thoughts. Yeah. Any, any um, hot Derek Forbort takes? <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> have any hot Derek Forbort takes. This this might actually negate my entire Brandon Carlo thing, but as somebody who really likes John Moore, I think that the Derek Forbort club. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, was, what? I think the podcast Derek... through by an hour. Let's dive into this. Real quick. Wow. <laughs> what the fuck? So, John, John Moore, famously the anti-Carlo. <laughs> so just a quick, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But the Derek Forbort, the reason I'm connecting it to John Moore is like, he, I think he's a fine enough player. Like, I, I don't know. You're not winning or losing anything based on the performance of Derek Forbort. But he took a contract that he absolutely should have taken, much like John Moore did in 2018. And so – if he gets raked through the coals for being precisely who he's been his entire career, that is far less of an indictment of him than it is of anybody else. Uh, the John Moore thing, I actually think this will be a very big bounce back year for John Moore because he was actually okay in 2018. He is absolutely like a third pairing defenseman, but he is unequivocally in terms of pure skating ability, the best skater that the Bruins have on defense. And when you think about the fact that he had been fighting through a hip injury, like last year, he clearly looked off. And I think that a lot of John Moore's shortcomings in terms of like raw skill is actually not negated, but offset by the fact that he is a very good skater. So when he looked completely lost last year, like I think it was against Pittsburgh, like one of the final games before they probably said, John, like, you need to get surgery. Um, he, he just – he couldn't move at all. Like, his lateral movement was awful. And so imagine where your your best asset is your skating ability and you have a brutal hip injury. Like, that is absolutely going to knock you off. And, you know, the reason he was underwhelming the year before was because he played through a shoulder injury in the postseason the year before. Like, they trusted – John Moore with one shoulder in game seven of the cup final before they trusted Connor Clifton and which might've been a mistake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, debate amongst decision. yourselves about whether or not that was the right <laughs> call. But I think that he is, you know, John Moore is what he is. He's like a fifth or sixth defenseman, but he is, if people ignored the, <laughs> the contract, I guess he would be a far more useful player than people understand because you talk about knowing what you're getting into with Brandon Carlo, like John Moore with a healthy hip, I would think is far more that guy where like, okay, sometimes he is your seventh defenseman and you probably shouldn't be paying a guy 
two and three quarters million to be your seventh defenseman. But whenever the Bruins needed to plug in and play a guy, it was always John Moore. And you could always plan for 20 or Stephen Camper. And you could always play more 20 minutes a night um, for better or for worse. But that is for better or for worse. uh, Take it with a grain of salt, a grain of salt or not. But I've got the evolving hockey page up. Oh, no. uh, love doing this. <laughs> I'm strictly um, eye test with John Moore. So you know. <laughs> this is your grain of salt. Uh, 24th percentile offensively, 14th percentile defensively, overall 11th percentile um, over the last three seasons combined. What about handsomeness? Do you have handsomeness? Whoa. In there no? <laughs> the hair is great. You can't teach that kind of hair. Flow. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. My my opinion is John Moore, Brad Stewart, and Hal Gill walk into a bar and they kicked out because they fucking suck. That's my opinion. <laughs> no, you're not, not shit-talking Hal Gill like that, dude. I used to run him in NHL. Oh, he was, like, he was like Chara, except there was no fucking upside. He was just like, I'm going to go to the Habs now. Like, that was, that's his fucking career. I don't he was like a Norris Trophy winner, but he was scratched every night. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the Bruins won the Norris for scratching. <laughs> Come for Drew's hot Hal Gill takes stay for me calling Logan Mullen somebody who knows what he's talking about and then talking up John Moore. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I unholstered that one at the wedding. So you probably <laughs> no. didn't know what you're I think Logan's had too many Molsons. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more uh, Mike Ratty talking, a lot less uh, John Moore talking. We, we covered we covered Mike Riley pretty in depth. And at the sounds wedding. like yeah, which also that's that's on brand. So. I, I told you guys, guys, I was afraid of drinking the Molson ice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. It starts one Molson ice. It's like the, at the end of the commercial, they have all the, the warnings about the, the, what it's going to do to you. You may start talking about John Moore. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I have a tangentially related story to that. So it's become something of a bit between me and my coworkers, my affinity for John Moore and Joakim Nordstrom. So in order to kind of play that up a little bit, I printed out their headshots and I stapled them to to my cubicle, the office. And so one day, this was 2019, right before the season started, a few Bruins players had to film stuff in the Nessa studio. So they come up the stairs. In order to get to the studio, you have to walk past my desk. And so I've got these two headshots, clear as day, of John Warren, Joakim Nordstrom right there. And Tuka Rask walks up the stairs and he didn't know where he was going. So he like looks over and it's literally like looking from here to this door behind me. And he's like, Hey, do you know how I get to the studio? And I was like, yeah, like it's, you know, it's right back there. Like point him in the direction. And he's like, okay, cool. And he like looks at me a little bit and then just walks away. And I'm like, hey, he was definitely wondering what those two headshots were. He was lucky well, he didn't that's... come around the corner and see the, the Tuka Rask headshot with the, the smooch. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and something similar happened. I actually haven't had confirmed. I don't think anybody knows this, but I. So similarly, my work icon on like Microsoft stuff is I made it the joking Nordstrom headshot to continue like leaning into this bit, and I didn't realize that it links it to your Outlook image. So there's one time I had to email <laughs> Bruins PR for an interview request, and I was like. <laughs> You know what? I think I just sent this email. These guys just sons a headshot of Joakim Nordstrom. <laughs> so right after that, I changed it. So I tried to soften on that bit a little bit. Could come back to bite you. Yeah, <laughs> just completely innocuous. And now they're like, "What's wrong with this guy?" 
I don't know if we're going to top that. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> all right. Well, Logan, thanks for joining us. This was awesome. Uh, if if you're uh, open to the experience, we'll uh, have you back sometime. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds I'm gonna good. Make you drink a little bass next time. fanboying over fucking Nicholas Fedberg or something. <laughs> <laughs> Would you think of a wager of some kind, and then I'll if I lose, I'll drink a little bass. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. How so, uh, about Brandon Carlo point totals? No, no, it's right now. No, it's John uh, John Moore versus Brandon Carlo point total. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do I, do I get like a handicap of some sorts? Like, do I get <laughs> like you know, admit, John two? <laughs> well, then John Moore's probably gonna, John Moore's gonna play less than Brandon Carlo. For we'll, we'll if do, I was uh, coaching the team, that's not how it would be. But <laughs> yeah, we'll do. Uh, I would say points per game, but I don't know if that's fair. Uh, John Moore, I think, is more more likely to <laughs> John Moore scores a hat trick and plays <laughs> seven games all year. <laughs> John Moore is the replacement. <laughs> John Moore, the point per game defenseman. John Moore, number one center and captain. <laughs> I would think, yeah, I, I think John Moore. What's a reasonable total? Zero. <laughs> no. Over over under three. I don't know how many points <laughs> he had last year. Like well, well, last year he played like three games. So I, you know, his people don't understand how good he was with the Devils. Like I don't know if you guys remember when he went back to New Jersey for the first time. They literally gave him a tribute video, and he was like their overtime goal king. Like John, like whenever they went to overtime, John Moore was always out there, and he was always scoring game winners. Um. So if the Bruins get into a lot of overtime games, you guys could be in big trouble this year. So, see, my opinion is John Moore in New Jersey walk into a bar and they both <laughs> fucking suck. <laughs> All right, so John Moore. Didn't he have 20, like 15 or something in 2018-19, he had 13. Yeah. He had two last awesome. year and three the year before. Three in 24 games the year before. That's a – I mean, it's not a big sample size, but why don't we do point per game between Carlo and Moore? But you have to set a minimum games played for Moore. I, I don't know what would be fair, and that, that, that could that could immediately make me look like a moron. Where it's like you got to set it at fifteen games, you got to put it at least fifteen games for John Moore. Well, they are yeah. playing maybe two this year, so that's yep. that's good. Some I don't know what the what's the flip side of this bet. What if you win? Uh, we drink Molson ices. To, yeah, everybody we drinks Molson ices. Anyway, so. <laughs> we buy him a Molson ice. I have to, I have to find Molson ice. ice in San Diego. Yeah, they got a name, so we'll figure it out. <laughs> Chris has to fly to Canada to pick up some Molson. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like it. No, he flies to Maine and then uh, hangs out with us, but then he has to drive up to the border and <laughs> yeah. pop a fence. Or he has to drive seven hours north to fucking. I feel like I could probably just fly to Seattle and that would be good enough. <laughs> they might have that, yeah. You gotta cross oh, yeah, the... you'd probably just go to Vancouver. You wouldn't come out here. Yeah. Sorry, Canada's Kurt. a big country. Yeah, it's... It, it does go it's, almost, go. it's almost as wide as uh, as the United States. Alaska you know, when I was 18, I would have been of age in Canada. Exactly. <laughs> or in West Virginia. If you were or in West Virginia <laughs> in the 70s. And let's be honest, in West Virginia, everybody's of age. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Theo's telling me this episode's over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us, Logan. Thank you yeah. for listening, listeners. Uh, our listenership has been very good. Drew wants to say something. 
I just want to say, Logan, where can we find you? Like Twitter and all. Oh that. yeah, that's that's a good question. Where can you find me? Um, all right, so on Twitter, you can find him at weddings. Uh, yeah, you can find me at weddings of people who we all know. Yeah, of Chris's childhood friends and friends of my <laughs> wife that I've gotten to know. Um, so on Twitter, it's by by Logan Mullen, and then. The Ness and Bruins podcast. Um, you know, I don't know if this is competition or we don't drink on no. ice. <laughs> so, yes, the, the market, the markets are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the demographics are completely different. Uh, so the Ness and Bruins podcast. We've been taking things, taking a break, but we'll be back next week. And then Nesson.com. and that's. Uh, I don't know. It's probably more than enough exposure to me than anybody needs. So. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Drew, where can we find your work? Oh, yo. Yeah, hey, Drew, welcome to Portland, man. Thank you. Cheers. Hey, cheers. Cheers. Yeah, let me give a little, there you go. Cheers. Uh, you can follow me as always at Dube Schmoo, but if you want actual, if you're interested in news in South Portland, Cape Elizabeth, or Scarborough, Maine, follow me at DDJ Rights. That's rights as in, you know, you're right with a pencil, yeah. not like, yeah, not like your constitutional rights. Yeah, or, or just like... <laughs> Which me. also, you should brush up in your constitutional rights. Because I've been on Twitter lately, guys. A lot of you don't know what your First Amendment rights are. You've been <laughs> just taking those. So Shouts to Shukri rights. We, uh, yeah. we like that guy. Yeah. I would like to have a podcast with once, him sometimes. So once in future guest of the pod. Yeah. All right. Well, Logan, thanks. It's been a pleasure, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Along. Yeah, thanks for thanks for dragging me along, boys. I look forward to you slugging a tall boy, which we definitely agreed on beforehand. Labatt in uh, in one chug later on. Definitely pre mentioned and uh, you signed the agreement. So every time Brandon Scorlo, Brandon Scorlo. Oh no, 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 no! That may be the best Freudian slip of all time. <laughs> yeah, oh uh, anytime he scores a point, uh, you're going to be Brandon Rockets with Shard Carlo. <laughs> <laughs>